Morning. How are you guys doing? Happy New Year. I'm kind of hot. Not personally, for those online. Just the mic. Kind of hot. How's it going? How's this new year starting? Starting okay? It's kind of gray and cloudy here uh, in Rhode Island. Uh, I know that many of us are hoping for a um, better year than maybe this last one. <laughs> Amen? Any events? I, I expect a little bit more excitement. Maybe uh, than last year. Maybe than the year before. You know, who, how, who knows how far back it goes. Hey, uh, to start out, I do want to thank uh, so many of you. Um, this has been a tough year for a lot of people. Uh, and some of that, those challenges uh, did reach into our own family. And so I just thank all of you here at the church for um, the notes, the prayers, um, the calls, the texts, um, just different ways that you reached out uh, to let us know that, you, uh, that we are a uh, community together, that we're not facing uh, this life on our own, walking these roads kind of on our own. It was good to have the prayers, um, so I thank you for that. You can continue to lift us up. We will be heading down to North Carolina um, for the memorial service for my dad uh, this coming week, and so uh, keep us in your prayers uh, for that. Uh, we, too, are hoping <laughs> for a better year this next year, you know? We're just hoping that things might take a turn, but I think in all of that, it's good to remember our God, isn't it? It's good to remember that our God doesn't ever lose sight of us. He is never uh, caught off guard by the things that catch us off guard. His love never wanes for us. He, he never loses track. Um, we know that we can go into this year confidently because we know that even though it may not, this one may not turn out the way that we hope it will, we know that he will walk us through it. And he is the God who always is bringing us closer to him and bringing his kingdom closer to us. Amen? Amen. So, welcome to 2022. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, you know, uh, years ago I read a book. Uh, it was about people who survive very difficult situations, people who survive in challenging circumstances, and the, different, the things that they do differently than some of the people that don't survive in some of the same circumstances. And one of the things that struck me in that book is how common it is of a situation, one of the most common situations where we actually have some control over our own survival are times when we get lost, right? Now, being lost is a, a pretty major theme when you look at God's word. We tend to get lost from ourselves. We get lost from each other. We get lost from him. And the problem with getting lost is that typically we don't admit we're lost soon enough, right? We don't realize how lost we actually are until we're so far into the process, it's pretty hard to get out. And the further in you get, the harder it is to get out. This morning, we're going to be reading a story, uh, it's well known to many of you, but it's a story from Luke chapter 15. It's about a son who got lost, and about a father, and how he got him back. So let's stand as we listen to God's word. We hear this story from his word about the prodigal son, Luke 15, verse 11 through 24. It says, Jesus began his story. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. 
So the father divided all that he had between his two sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything and moved to a distant region. And there he squandered all that he had in unrestrained living. However, soon after he had spent everything, a severe famine swept through the region and he found himself in trouble. You guys ever find yourself there? Might be worthwhile, turn to Sony and just say, we're in trouble. No, don't do that. That'd be a horrible way to start out the year. He hired himself out to one of the farmers in the area who sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. He was at the point he would have gladly filled his stomach with some of the pods that the pigs were eating because no one was giving him anything. Finally, though, he came to his senses and he said to himself, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough to eat, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but please take me on as one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. The son began his speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father cut him off and said to one of the servants, quickly bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. Did you hear in that story what saved the son? It's compassion. It's compassion. If you understand this story, you understand that that son had been surrounded by compassion before he ever left, that while he was in that distant country suffering, it was compassion that called him home. And when he got home, it was compassion that met him by running towards him and embracing him and kissing him and restoring him and celebrating his return. Compassion saved that son. Title of today's message is Compassion. It's a generous lookout. Amen? Father, this morning we want to um, not just learn more facts. We don't want to just look at what does compassion look like so we recognize it. Father, we want to become more like you. So we pray that you would take your word by your spirit you would take these words of mine, that they wouldn't be my words, they'd be your words. And that, Father, if I'm saying something wrong, that you just overrule me, that you'd be speaking to each of our hearts in the way they need to be spoken to so that when we leave this place, we're not the same as when we came in. That when we go out of this place, we're more like Jesus than when we got here. So, Father, building in us compassion building in us for your glory, building in us through all that your son has done and bought for us. Build compassion in us through the power of your spirit. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We're in a series that we're calling a sense of direction because um, we all need a sense of direction in this world. If we get lost, what we've usually lost is our sense of direction. 
We used to live in uh, Colorado, and when you look to the west, you'd see a whole bank of mountains. You couldn't very easily get lost. But my wife, we had this one turnaround in, um, <laughs> in Colorado Springs. We'd take this exit, and it, it would loop all the way around and end up going the same way that you started out going, but on the other side. And that would throw her off every time. We would literally be looking at the mountains. We knew that Denver was to the north, and she'd go, are we going the right way? Because when we lose our sense of direction, that's when we start getting lost. We need a sense of direction. God has given us a sense of direction. He's given us a sense of direction individually and as a church. And he's called us to be and to do certain things, to be a certain kind of people who engage in certain kinds of activity. And compassion is at the middle of that. You know, on the night of uh, January 31st in 2012, there was this elderly man that walked up to the home of Norm and Barb Johnson. They lived in Madison, South Dakota. He walked up, he knocked on the door, and when a man answered, he asked him if he was, in fact, Norm Johnson. The man acknowledged that he was. The, the visitor pulled out a gun, shot him twice in the head, and walked away. When the police later arrested Carl Erickson for the murder, he told them, that this was retribution, this was revenge for a prank that had been played on him when the two of them went to high school 50 years earlier. That's a grudge, right? That is a long-held grudge. Now, you might ask why. Why are you starting out a message about compassion with a story about revenge? Well, it ends up that I, I really have come to believe in my experience, not just with others, but with myself, that one of the things that tends to get in the way of living a life of compassion is our tendency to have this way too high of a fascination with grudges, way too high of a commitment towards getting payback. And in fact, when we hold to these things you can't, you can't hold to a grudge and hold to compassion at the same time, not in the way that God has called us to be compassionate. Because the same kind of focus that we would need to love others, the same kind of focus that we would need to intentionally do good towards others, all of that is consumed. All of our energy and our mind and our imagination is consumed by this, this desire to get back at someone for what they've done to us or how they hurt us, or how they wounded us, or how they left us on the side of the road, right? We can't have the one and the other at the same time. Grudges, unforgiveness, it poisons, it kills off compassion. And God calls us to be compassionate. Here at Christ Church, we have said that God has called us to be a compassionate Christian community. Right? And so for us, we know, we, we believe, we believe that God has showed himself to be relentless in his compassion towards us. We, we believe that Jesus Christ, when he came, he showed us in real time what that relentless compassion looked like. We believe that's who he was. And we believe that the highest calling that we have on our lives is to live a life that reflects the life of Jesus. Live a life that's been transformed by his own spirit living in us and through us 
So we believe that our highest calling is to live out the same kind of relentless compassion towards others. And what I've found is that we can't do it with resentment. We can't do it holding grudges, holding unforgivenesses, holding offenses in our heart. It takes up too much of our time and energy that God intends to use towards others. So the most important that, question that we want to answer this morning is not, do I know what compassion is? We all have kind of a general sense. That's an important question. It's important to know when God says compassion, he's talking about this, this gut level just response that rises up in you towards and working for the good of another. It's important, but that's not the most important question. Most important question isn't, do I recognize compassion nine out of 10 times? No, that's not the most important question. The most important question for us this morning is, what will it take for me to become compassionate? For me to grow to be more like Jesus? That's what we want to talk about this morning. That's what we want to look at this morning. And where we're going to look is in this story about this son who is lost, who is distanced from his father. Because this is a story about compassion. Now, we don't have the time to dig into all the details of the story. I have literally done multiple series on this one story. We could go for months just talking about the details. It's an amazing story. And I'd encourage you to dig into it on your own. Luke 15. It's an amazing story. But we want to look specifically with an intent and a focus on this whole question of what does it take to become compassionate, especially in regards to our tendency to hold on to offenses, hold on to this poison of getting even, of making things right in our mind. So to understand the story, we need to look at some details. One of the things that we need to understand about this story is we need to see all the offenses that could have been taken by the main character, the father, who ends up showing this compassion because this, I think, says a lot to us. One is this. We need to understand that when the son left home, he committed such an offense that the people that would have heard Jesus telling this story, they would have been appalled. They would have been shocked by this son. This was in a day when fathers of a household, they are held just below God as far as how you honor them, how you respect them, how you, how you speak to them and treat them. And yet this son had come to his father and basically he said this. He said, you know, father, I can't see waiting until you die. Just give me the money that I would get as if you were dead because that basically is what I'm waiting for in this life. That's what those words meant. Give me my inheritance. I don't care if you're dead yet or not. This was not just the son <laughs> saying some mean words. This was the son spitting in his father's face. This is the son spitting in the face of the whole society. This was the son spitting in God's own face. The God who said, you know, one of the most important commandments is the first one with the promise is honor your father and mother. As the son, as he left, I mean, you see the offense in that that the father could have taken. You see the offense in that that everyone could have taken. But then when he left, 
His inheritance, the way the inheritance was divided up, the older son would get two-thirds, the younger son would get one-third. He took one-third with him of the value of that home. The home, the, the, the belongings, the, the business that was, that was um, built up and, and, and as a, just a part of that home functioning, there was a whole, a whole business that went around it. And you can see that because Jesus, he's not painting this picture of this, you know, this small house and this small family with a little subsistence level garden kind of attached. What he's talking about is this was a home that had, had fields to it. This was a home that probably had a whole village worth of people and craftsmen and hired hands and, and servants that worked to make sure that this operated smoothly. And when that son left, he took one third of the value of that whole household. So it wasn't just about taking money from the father. This took money out of the whole system and put a whole community of people at risk. Can you see how that might have been offensive to some? How they might have held on to a grudge by that son so that when he returns, he returns, they're finally, you know, they're, they're kind of, maybe they had forgotten about it, maybe there's been some time, so they're finally getting over it. But when he returns, he not only brings those offenses up, but also he brings up the fact that while he had been gone, and all these people had been working their tails off, right, to try and get this house back online, trying to get its feet kind of back up on its feet, he had been out wasting that money. Just spending it frivolously, just, just going through his fingers like it, it meant nothing. The very, this money is, is actually called, it says the father gave him his life, his livelihood, and the livelihood of his household. And he had just wasted it. So the son comes back, and not only was he not bringing, it wasn't like he went off and he invested and he came back with more and he says, hey, I have a gift for everyone. I'll not only pay you back, but I'll pay you back more. In fact, he's coming back and he's saying, hey, I gotta let you know, I'm not only coming back with value, I'm gonna have to kind of sponge off you a little bit more. Can you see how that might have been offensive? And then finally, when he returned, he probably smelled a lot like those pigs, right? He just spent months probably with these pigs, living with them, sleeping with them, wanting to eat the food that they were eating, he was probably smelling a lot like a pig. You don't have to know much to know. You can just ask any young Jewish boy or girl and they will tell you how offensive pigs are to Jewish people. It's one of the greatest signs of uncleanness that you eat a pig's flesh or that you touch it. I mean, this was offensive. If you want to talk about a boy that had the focus of all the offenses, everything rightfully that should have been there, that could have been there, that everyone could have held on to. That's what's built up in the first part of this story. And he had no idea. You know, I said at the beginning, one of the problems when we get lost is we have no idea how lost we are. When he left that home, he had no idea how lost he was. He comes back. You know, sometimes when we get lost with God, we have no idea how lost we are. We think we're on a good track. We think we have a great plan, and we go running off, and then things start falling apart, and we come running back to God, don't we? 
And we don't even realize when we come back how much offense we have built up. How much could be held against us. And the reason we don't know, and the reason that we don't even have to deal with that when we return is because our God is a God of compassion. You know, you look at the story and you say, you know, he may not have known how lost he was, but he had to know how offensive he was going to be when he returned home. He had to know. And you say, knowing that, why would he go home? This is in a day that a father could literally put his son to death for an offense like that, for an insult like that. That first insult was worthy of being disowned at least, if not completely just just put to death. Nobody would have thought twice. Father had the right. Father had the power. And you say, so why did the son come back knowing that? Because he knew something about his father. You guys, this son had encountered his father compassion long before he ever left that home. That's what gave him the boldness to be as insulting and dishonoring to his father in the first place. Was he knew that his father's compassion would actually protect him even in his most insulting, offensive kind of moments. You guys, we do that all the time, don't we? We abuse people's love for us at times. We abuse God's love for us at times because we know he's compassionate. So we lash out with all kinds of abuse and, and just, just throwing stuff at him and don't even realize how lost we are. But he knew his father's compassion we knew that his father, he knew his father's compassion would protect him. It's the same compassion that reminded him when he was living in that squalor with the pigs. And he reminded, he remembered, he remembered what kind of compassion at home his father had built up. He said, you know what, even the servants, even the hired men, they're treated like sons in my father's house. It was the compassion that even in that distant country called out to him. He said, remember. It was the compassion. It's the father's compassion that actually left the, the door open when he left. You know, I, I don't think if he had believed that his father was nursing this sense of, of revenge, of that same kind of revenge that we saw in this Carl Erickson or the same kind of revenge that I think we often see in ourselves, right? I mean, where we hold on to a grudge and we hold on and it builds and it grows year after year. We blow it completely out of proportion sometimes and we come back and where they may have you know, swatted us with a fly swatter, we come back at him with a cannon, you know, right? That kind of, that kind of resentment that builds in us if he knew that his father was holding that kind of resentment, do you think he would have ever gone home? No. Compassion kept the door open. It called to him and it, left, it led, it laid out the way for him to come home. You guys, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like if God sat in heaven and instead of spending his time coming up with plans for compassion towards us, he sat and he came up with schemes for revenge. Can you imagine? We would never be saved. 
Jesus would have never come. If he would have come, he would have come with the angels of heaven and he would have wiped us all out. If you talk about someone who has legitimate reasons for being offended at his, his people, that, I mean, his own people that he calls out, he does, he does immensely for us and we turn on him. Compassion was what left the door open. Compassion then is also what drove this father to run, to, to grab hold of his son, to kiss him, to restore him, not just as a hired hand, but as his son. He said, this son of mine was dead. And now he's been brought to life. He was lost. And now he's been found. So what is that compassion? What does that look like? What do we see in this father's compassion? First is this. You guys, compassion is not compassion unless it forgives. Unless it forgives. Compassion doesn't hold on to an offense. It can't. You guys, it doesn't even matter if you're, if you're offended at this person, but you're trying to love this person. This love will be poisoned. Wow. Just for emphasis. <laughs> Threw that in there. Thanks, BJ. That was great effect. Um, th- that love will be poisoned by that, that resentment, by that offense you have for another. You cannot hold compassion for one while holding resentment for another. Why? Because, because while you're, you're not, you don't have the energy, you don't have the time, you don't have the focus to be able to do what you need to do to follow up this person, to pursue this person with the love and the compassion, that, that urging, that, 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 that draw to them. You can't do that while you're trying to pay attention to these plans that you're making of how you're going to make things right, of how you're going to get back at this person, of how this person deserves so much less than they have, Right? Your, your, your time, your energy, your thoughts, your imagination, everything's drawn this way when God's calling you this way. Compassion forgives. It lets go. We are often kept from compassion because of the offenses, offenses that we hold on to. We are kept from reflecting the life of Jesus because of resentments that we hold on to. We don't have the time or the energy to spend in reflecting Jesus Christ because we're too busy coming with schemes of how we're gonna get back at those who have done us wrong, right? And you guys, when I said this at the beginning, I said, I have not learned this because I've been looking out at everybody else. I see this in me as well. This is all of us. We do not reflect Jesus and his compassion and his relentlessness because we're too busy trying to settle scores whether it's just in our head or whether it's in life. Compassion forgives. That's why Jesus made such a big deal about forgiveness. You know, when he taught us how to pray and he said, one of the lines is, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. That's the only line in the Lord's prayer that he follows up with commentary afterwards at the end. He says, he says, because if you forgive others for their offenses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you don't, then your heavenly father won't forgive you. And you go, wow, that's harsh. That's hard to understand. But basically what he's saying is, how do you expect, 
How do you hope to find your own salvation? How do you expect to find a salvation that leads you to compassion if you're not willing to forgive and let go of things that allow you to be compassionate? If we hold on to these things, God cannot save us and make us more like Jesus. Because we tie his hands. So Jesus said, forgive. Second, compassion, it prepares this father's story. You know, we need to realize this father wasn't just all of a sudden caught up in the moment when he saw us. He didn't just happen to be walking across the porch when his son came over the horizon. He goes, wow, my son. And he gets caught up in the moment and then he starts thinking about it afterwards and he's stewing about it. No. This father was every day on that porch looking out of the horizon. He knew that compassion would draw his son home. He had planned on it. He counted on it. He counted on this household of compassion being the thing that called his son home so that one day he would see him return. Rather than stewing in his offenses and rather than plotting his revenge, this father had been plotting how he was going to show compassion when the son came home. When he came home, he was ready to run to him. He knew he was going to run. Whether it made him look like a foolish old man or not, he was going to run. He knew he was going to hug him. He was going to kiss him. The robe was ready. The shoes were ready. The ring was ready. And the fatted calf had been prepared. He knew when this moment came, he had made a plan about what he was going to do when his son came home. Because compassion prepares We miss opportunities for compassion sometimes because we don't forgive. Sometimes we miss opportunities because we haven't prepared for them, right? We haven't set anything aside for compassion. We haven't gone into our day saying, today I'm going to look for that opportunity to be compassionate and I'll bring this this cash along with me. I'll bring these gift cards along with me. I'll bring just a a space in my day. I have this space that I haven't planned for anything. I'm just going to walk downtown and look and see how I can be compassionate. We don't plan for it. We're not prepared for it. Instead, we're, we're too busy stirring up and making plans for, again, how we're going to get even. Things that need to get done. It's overwhelmed. Finally, compassion forgives. Compassion prepares. Compassion, it overflows. It's generous. You know, this is, this, is like a, this is a basic characteristic of compassion is that compassion is generous. You look at what that father did, you know, and that father did, he was so over the top. All that that son, all that son was asking for was to be hired on as a, as a hired hand. That would have been gracious. That would have been a gift. But instead, what does he do? Here's his son, he smells like a pig, he's just dirty, he's grimy, he's barefoot. He comes up, he hugs him, the, the, the head of the household hugs him and kisses him and says, bring him the best robe we have, put the shoes back on his feet, put the ring of the house on his finger because this son, was, he was dead, he's alive now again. He's back he restored him. He restored him in a way that the son never expected, could have never imagined. Because compassion, compassion is generous. You know, if you, when we are vengeful, we get really small, don't we? We get stingy. We get tight. When we're thinking about how much we've been cheated out of on this side, then every other 
relationship we're in, we're going, you're not going to cheat me then like this person did, right? We do that, don't we? This person, they turned on me. I'm not going to let you, I'm not even going to get close to you enough to let you turn on me, right? We get small, we get small-minded, we get, we, we're enslaved to our revenge, enslaved to our offense. You know, when we grab hold of compassion, things open up. All of a sudden you realize, you know, I can give away even a third of my value and it won't hurt. I can easily make that back. We stop. I want you to hear this. When we grab hold of compassion, we stop thinking about how much something cost us and we start thinking about how much we need to invest to get that thing that we lost back. We stop thinking about how much something cost us, how much we lost we start thinking about what is going to, what we need to be investing to get that thing, that most important thing that was lost, how to get it back. That's compassion. Compassion forgives. So what does it take? It takes forgiveness. It demands, it demands of us that we set offense aside. It demands of us that we quit filling our, our minds with plans for revenge and start plotting out how daily, how every day we can see, find ways to show compassion. It demands that we start preparing. And finally, it demands generosity. It demands God's love. He says it, it, it overflows. It abounds towards us. It runs over the top. And he says, if you, if you want to reflect me, you'll learn how to let your love overflow. Go over the top. You know, in Romans 12, it says, just try, just try to outdo each other in showing honor to one another. Just try. If you're gonna get in a contest, don't try and get ahead. Try and get everybody else out ahead of you. Try that. If you're in a race, just try to let everybody else, in fact, find ways to help them win. He says, that's compassion. You know, there's a whole other story about compassion, and I wish we could get into it. It's in Luke 10. It's another story you guys know well. It's about the story of the, um, of the good Samaritan. A man finds a guy beaten up on the side of the road, and he... he um, he does whatever it takes. And you'll, you'll find the same, same elements. You find this man, he's a Samaritan. He's helping a Jewish man. If you know the, what was going on between those two, you know there's forgiveness involved. You know that this man, when he comes across this man, he, he could have, like all the others, gone to the other side and just walked by him, but instead he comes up because he had a plan. He had prepared. He knew going into that day that if he found a chance to show compassion, he was going to show it. And you know that he had also... If you read the story, he poured into this man generously because this man had a lot of needs. The difference in this story was that, you know, this, this, the man was nothing to the Samaritan. He wasn't a son. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't even a friend. He didn't even know the guy. And yet Jesus called that compassion too. 
Because sometimes compassion is when we, we forgive those who have offended us and invite them back into our own home. But, but primarily, that story is a lot about God and how he invites us back, how he shows compassion to us when we return home. The Good Samaritan is really about how we show compassion to others. Because there are times that we come across somebody that needs some compassion, but they're not home yet. This, this Samaritan knew that this man, he might not be his own son, but he was somebody's son. And there was probably somebody waiting and looking out over the horizon, waiting for this one to return home. He knew that this one needed help getting home. There are some times that we show compassion because somebody needs help to get to God because they're not home yet. And they've been beat up and left on the side of the road. So sometimes compassion means we come alongside and we say, you know what? I'm going to show you the compassion that God showed me when he received me back home because I'm just going to show you that same compassion that will allow you to get back home too. Amen? You guys, we have said that we, God has called us to be a compassionate Christian community. Are we going to, in 2022, are we going to take that seriously? Is that what we're going to do? It's a challenge. It's God's challenge. 